0: Back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. Based on past conversations, I'm not sure our next guest stayed up to watch the conclusion of Buffalo LA, (laughs) given, you know, his advanced age and everything and need need for beauty sleep. But Dregs, it's like people can't stop talking about the Sabres-Kings game, perhaps because of... The team that lost yet again yeah. last night, the LA Kings.
1: Yeah, and the post game in the aftermath, right? Duffer, uh, you know, Drew Doughty has never been one to shy away from calling it like he sees it and telling it like it is. And the Kings veteran most definitely did that post game last night, and basically accused some of his teammates of being in it for the points and not playing the right way to secure a win and, and get the Los Angeles Kings back on track. I mean, it's perplexing, not just because they they lost last night, just the way they have been losing. And this was such a good team earlier in the year. We're looking at the Los Angeles Kings as potentially being a cup contender. And now we're kind of waiting for Rob Blake to step in and do something dramatic, you know, mm-hmm. coaching change, a significant trade, all of that. And the messaging that I'm getting from my sources in LA is that, they're going to stand pat from now. Management is not willing to, you know, just say, okay, Todd, you're out. Or, you know, make a trade for the sake of making a trade. They still believe in their group, but they need more from certain players. And all we need now is for Drew Doughty to start pointing the fingers and naming names. That's Who are you talking about? Which players? I mean, we can speculate. Some of it is fairly obvious. I think, wasn't the Dan O'Fiala line, weren't they on the ice for like four goals against last night?
2: Fiala and uh, Trevor Moore, I think, were victimized with turnovers, and uh, especially on the fourth and fifth goal. And that is where I think that the criticism is going to. Pierre-Luc Dubois got criticized, right, by his coach. Time is now. He gets a goal. But other than that, really, did he do anything? So L.A., though, this is interesting to me. $83.5 Eighty-three and a half million dollar cap, right? That's yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. They are, according to Cap Friendly, one thousand nine hundred and forty-one dollars <laughs> under the cap. Like, what can they do with one thousand nine hundred forty-one? I could play gold for one thousand nine hundred forty-one dollars, but that's it. <laughs> that's all you're getting right now.
1: Nah, it's dollar in, dollar out, and and look. That's okay if you're a team like the Edmonton Oilers or a team that legitimately is is a, a top contending team, um, because you can bide your time. You can wait until the prices come down or the salary cap is loosened a little bit, which is always closer to the NHL trade deadline. But at some point, something is going to have to give in Los Angeles. And look, it's not like they don't have some pieces of interest that that could help things along now number one it does start internally you do need pierre Luc dubois to engage and show like he wants to be an answer not uh part of the problem and Mm -hmm. and one goal is not going to change that narrative anytime soon um but I'm, i'm watching on social media and earlier this week on insider trading on tsn i lumped two young players together and Philip Broberg, who's playing in the American League with the Edmonton Mm -hmm. Oilers organization, and Arthur Kaliev, who obviously doesn't play the way that Todd McClellan needs him to play because he's been healthy scratch multiple times this month. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking about a, a a real good offensive piece. So the message is being sent to Kaliev. Broberg still wants out of Edmonton because he wants an opportunity to prove that he can be an effective NHL defenseman and doesn't see that fit in Edmonton. And uh, I saw McClellan was was responding to a question about Arthur Cale of potentially being unhappy and looking for a move. And he basically said, I'm not quoting him verbatim, but hey, look, it's not like Arthur Kalia picks up the phone and calls some." guy in Toronto (laughs) that says that I want to move. No, his agent is doing that. Well, my report wasn't about Kaliev wanting out of Los Angeles. It was about a player who needs to play. And if if, if that's not within the LA Kings organization, then teams pay attention to that you guys know this i mean mm-hmm. one of the first thing that scouts or general managers do they look at games and then they look at opportunity if a good player young player has been scratched multiple times as arthur kalioff has guess what's going to happen mm-hmm. they're going to inquire but look the, the 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 messaging from rob blake has been consistent as well they're not interested in moving arthur kalioff would they consider it yes depending on the offer so LA is kind of taking it in multiple different ways.
0: Cali has had a tough year offensively. There's no denying that. He's been scratched five of the last seven. I would love to focus uh, lots more on LA, but we've done a ton. But I will say this, uh, their next game, remember, this is a team that has two wins in 14. They are at Colorado, at St. Louis, and at Nashville, who's at their heels, (laughs) as are the Blues as far as wildcard and – it's possible based on how last night went that Riddick will get the next game and maybe he gets more, but it's possible that Cam Talbot could head to the All-Star break on a 10 game losing streak or more. He's lost nine in a row right now. So who knows whether that ever opens up the goalie carousel again for LA. It's not Stop picking up Cam
2: Talbot. I know.
0: I know. I'm just saying it's the facts. And I feel bad for Cam because he's yeah. going to go there and it's like. Oh, my gosh, we're talking about like a 10-game lose. Anyway, on to the next, (laughs) and that is the West, still staying in the West, because obviously San Jose, is Mike Greer happy at the moment? Because the Sharks are 3-0-1 in the last four, which Mm -hmm. means some of their players are playing better. Does that improve his opportunity to move some of those players and get them to where they want to go?
1: Well, I mean, it depends. Who are you talking about here? Um You could move off of a goalie if a goalie yeah. like
0: Blackwood now looks yeah. hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. that's just that's just one place yeah. in particular. But but yeah. based on how you're shaking your head, I'm thinking you don't see a lot of movable parts on that roster.
1: Well, I do. It's it's just you know when I ask the question of of players Blackwood being among them, the response that I get out of San Jose is well we're we're not interested in trading them at this point mm-hmm. again, are we dealing in semantics here because we're you know we're still several weeks outside of the trade deadline, and maybe that just means the market isn't strong enough. but you know in going through the rebuild there's always that balancing game that the managers have to play. they have to keep it as competitive for as long as they can until you get to that place where the buyers and the sellers have been defined, and now you can. And your fan base can live with the reality that, okay, we've moved out Mackenzie Blackwood. Here's what we got back. The future looks good. I've asked about Logan Couture. You know, I yeah, I, I could see him being a, a real nice add for lots of teams, you know, including the Ottawa Senators. He still has mm-hmm. some term left. There's a question about health, of course. You know, that's going to linger with Logan. Again, the response back is he needs to play a, a string of games, he needs to to see how healthy he feels. And then maybe there's a conversation with him at that point, but nothing guaranteed. But no doubt that Mike Greer is one of the busier general managers in fielding calls, because when you look at a defined seller, you know, the bottom feeders are always in that category.
2: Okay, so a San Jose team that's tied for last in the Western Conference right now. We talk about them. Ottawa Senators are tied for last with Columbus in the Eastern yeah. Conference Let's talk about them for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob Chikrin. They made the big move last year. Oh, let's get uh, a lot of teams wanted Chikrin. The Ottawa Senators got Chikrin. They got Shabbat, Sanderson, Artem Zub, Chikrin. They got a great defense. Well, it's not working this year. And now, like, Chikrin is back on the market? Like, I think they they tagged it as being ridiculous that he's in the rumor mills. But when there's smoke, there's usually fire when it comes to that. Right, Drex? Well, yeah, listening, right?
1: Um, and again, you, you get into the games of wordplay and semantics when, okay, is he being shopped? Well, no, technically he's not being shopped, but teams are calling and Steve Stales has to listen. When you look at their left shot D, so you've got Sanderson, Shabbat, who are both under long-term contracts at $8 million, around $8 million. Yeah. And you've got Jake Chickren, who's going into the final year of his deal at, what, 4 six? I mean, mm-hmm. his deal is terrific. So yeah. you're, you're getting an offensive defenseman if you can make the offer substantial enough where Stales can't step away from it. I've said all along, if if Jacob Chickren is going to be traded, I believe it's going to be in the offseason. And there are many out there, analysts especially, Ray Ferraro among them, who we've talked about on the podcast, who he wonders about Thomas Shabbat. Well, look, the, the problem with Shabbat, aside from some trade protection, is that's a real tough contract to move, right? Mm -hmm. Especially in season. But Ottawa has some specific wants, and they feel like they have specific needs as part of a makeover of the roster, a bit of a renovation to get this group more competitive. They're playing better of late. So, you know, the players are maybe finally listening to what Jacques Martin has been preaching since taking over that bench. But the the whole check thing is is complicated, but there is no question that there are teams that have interest. And the other thing here too, fellas, and Marty, you touched on it. Steve Sales didn't make the Jake Chickern trade. Mm-hmm. Pierre Dorian did. So when you come in as a new management group, you don't feel any obligation or tied to a player. What mm-hmm. you're tied to is the future of the organization and the pieces you can use as assets to make that future brighter.
0: Um. As far as I mean, Ottawa division rival. Let's let's take it back to the Sabers for a second. Yeah. I mean, they, they they snapped out of the doldrums of the Anaheim game to win last night. Yeah. Uh, do you are you hearing much Saber related as far as you know teams approaching them, them approaching others, and their needs or wishes at this point?
1: No, I mean just the usual stuff, right? Um, and nothing that you guys wouldn't have heard before. And you know, Kevin Adams will acknowledge that you know he's he's making his calls, he's taking his calls, but it's it's reasonably quiet, which isn't unusual for this time of year because you've got the All Star break looming, right? Um, and normally, what happens is soon after the All Star break, uh, the parity is still there, but there's more of a, a willingness, an appetite. For clubs to, to really start to, to dig down. How many mm-hmm. times though, do you see teams actually get a jump on the trade market? Doesn't happen very often. We have seen it. You know, it's two, three weeks prior to the deadline. You'll see teams make moves, but specific to Buffalo. No, nothing unusual. Just more of the same.
2: Uh, Dregs, I saw a funny clip about your podcast with Ray Ferraro. So this or that, is eating dog food or is eating people food that's prepared for dog the right way to talk about Ray Ferraro eating the turkey and peas and carrots that was made for his dog?
1: Well, it, 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 I mean, by definition, it's dog food, which is why I reacted the way that I did. <laughs> but clearly, you know, Ray and, and Cami Granado are in a different class when they're actually cooking the the ground turkey, adding the peas and the carrots and everything that's needed. I mean, it sounded like a stew to me, and I probably would have eaten it as well. So I was mostly concerned with the obvious, which was, I, you know, I said, well, when was the turkey made? Yeah. And, you know, it sounded like. You know, Cammy had just kind of whipped it up earlier in the day and didn't put dog food on it. And Ray thought it was free game and it was his lunch. So Ray thought
2: you spent a lot of money on dog food, but making your own dog food is way more expensive than just buying the giblets at the pet store.
1: (laughs) It seems like it to me, but uh, I mean, you want to talk about health conscious people. Oh, yeah. Cammy, Ray, their kids, man, they are dialed right in. So uh, I'm not surprised by it, but it was a great the, story. We had some fun. Do you remember the
0: infamous Mike Medano work stoppage dog food quote?
1: No, no? I don't.
0: Uh, I'm sure it was the, uh, uh, well, I'm, I shouldn't say I'm sure, but I would think it was the 0405. Yeah. And At some point, the players get a stipend, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And Madano's quote was, I couldn't even feed my dog on this. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, so, that Oh, yeah. Well, there, there used to be some That's spicy great. quotes going back and forth way back in the day, you know, you know, oh. starting with Chelios and Batman and then on and on. Oh, and on yeah. On,
2: you know what I mean? So I remember Robert uh, Ash calling himself a redneck in front of Bob Goodnow. He says, how am I supposed, as a redneck, to tell all my redneck friends that I'm passing on $750,000? Like, yeah. try to explain that because he's in, yeah, you yeah. know, he calls it God's country in central New York, Utica, and all of that. But he literally <laughs> stepped up and called himself a redneck, redneck in front of the whole players association room. <laughs> yeah, the good old funny.
1: days, man. The good
2: old oh, days. The old, right, we, we have no old Drager phase days. That was a little yeah. later, but that's the good old days too. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. So
0: well, here's hoping no more work stoppages in the future, but real quick, what can yeah. avoid a work stoppage is more money in the coffers of the owners, which means expansion. So we don't have time to get into Utah and the no. logistics. Just give us your team nickname for Utah.
2: Should they enter the NHL? Oh, geez. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I said the silver tips, like Everett oh, silver tips. Yeah. But I guess the owner of the Utah Jazz, who's the guy behind the hockey team, wanting the hockey team, he said the Yetis, the Utah oh. Yetis.
1: Uh, that sounds like the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. I don't know if I'm going with that. Right. We'll give, a, a a, give me a week to think that one through.
0: I, I, we will absolutely do that. We will see you in a week. He's Darren Drager from TSN. He's our Hockey Insider. Thanks, Dregs. Have a great weekend. Back after this. On